We're constantly, our eyes are searching for um, an information source and our ears are looking for anything that can help us in our own lives. And radio does do that. Um, it obviously it kills that drive too, especially if you don't want to sit there and use your data on like YouTube or something, but it's so important and so crucial to how we kind of use today, which is why I think it'll never fade out. I always hear people say, um, podcasting is going to be the new form. Radio is going to end up dying or moving on to something else. No, as long as we have cars, we'll always have radio. As long as we always have those things in our house, we'll always have radio. As long as we always have our phones, we'll have radio. Greetings, friends. This is Why Whiskey, a history podcast with a whiskey problem. Or is it a whiskey podcast with a history problem? We'll let you decide. I'm your host, Ian McGlynn. Let's get after it. Hi, friends. I wanted to do a show on the history of talk radio and its transition into podcasting. After doing some research, safe to say, podcasting and radio are two very different things. I brought on my guest today. Uh, His name is Robbie. He's from the Out of the Blake podcast. He's got family members who are uh, in the radio business, and he grew up around the radio business. So he has a great wealth of knowledge to discuss what radio is now and his experience with that. I want to give you a brief history on radio in the United States. Christmas Eve of 1906, a man by the name of Reginald Fessenden figured out a way to send voice over the wireless Morris uh, transistors. The first thing he sent was him reading the Gospel of Luke and playing the song Silent Night with a violin. He then wishes whoever is listening good night, and that's the end of the broadcast. So imagine that you're on a boat off the coast of New England in the ocean, and all of a sudden this system that has just been dots and dashes as long as you've known it stops. And voices come through this box, and a song is played, and then it goes back to dots and dashes. Probably some freaked out boat captains, I would imagine. The next year, Lee DeForest invented a better way to transmit voices over radio, and soon amateur radio operators are springing up all over the place. After World War I, with uh, the advance of technology and uh, a little bit more financial stability, Now radios are being uh, made and brought into people's homes, and more and more broadcasting is happening. 1920, Westinghouse decides it wants to get a part in the game, and they do the first commercial broadcast from Pittsburgh. On November 2nd of 1920, they broadcasted the election results of that year. And a station uh, from a radio station uh, whose name was KDKA. And that was owned by Dr. Frank Conrad, who was a ham operator in the area who had played music over his ham radio and was sought out by Westinghouse to help them with this first broadcast. Not long after that, radio takes off. 600 commercial stations pop up around the country, various different shows, venues. If we talk about talk radio, though, the very one of the very first talk radio shows was done by a lady named Amy Semple McPherson. She had a religious show 
in which she evangelized to whoever was listening. She then went on to be a pastor in a super church in California and has a fantastic story there. Radio then continues, and as it advances more and more, so do sound engineering stories that are being told, formats. We see talk radio come up in the 1940s and kind of stay low-key until right around the 1960s when two stations, one in Missouri and then one in uh, outside of Los Angeles and California, take on the very first all-talk radio stations. A lot of this is done on the AM side. Once high fidelity with FM comes in, talk radio kind of struggles a little bit. And there's a couple of stations that do talk radio, but not too much off of the AM side. It's all sitting on uh, FM's primarily music at this point until the 1980s, uh, a little bit more. And we start getting into the the shock jock uh, era of talk radio and, and people, the entertainment value. And it starts getting into topics that are a little bit more risque. Uh, a little bit more elevated, and then we see the FCC come in and, and kind of cut down on those. And talk radio then kind of gets regulated back into submission until the birth of satellite radio in the late 1990s. And then talk radio now has a totally free area because it's a paid subscription that uh, they can be free to discuss whatever they so choose. Podcasting is really void of regulation short of licensing things where people use other people's content and then it's sought out that way. There's no advertising. There is advertising in podcasting. I take that back. But you can choose not to listen. Certain podcasts have sponsors and they have to give those sponsors some airtime, but the the structured commercial time that you see in radio is not present in podcasting. And this really kind of differentiates the two. Anybody can podcast. Anybody can grab a microphone, plug into a computer, and start doing something. That's how I started. Literally grabbed a microphone, plugged it in, and started talking about something. It's that easy. No formal education, no licensing requirement, just a person and some recording material. So very, very different things there. Uh, Robbie and I, we talk about this a little bit. I wanted to give you a little bit more uh, information before we actually move into the episode because our conversation does take this really fantastic turn down a couple of different aspects of radio outside of the history of radio. There are some great studies that have been done about radio and its effect on people and emotions. Um, In a study done by uh, Sioban McHugh for the Oral History Review named The Effective Power of Sound, Oral History on Radio. He talks about the importance of using hit radio for the expression of oral history because how it affects our reception of that information and how we can associate different sounds and our brains receive and hold on to that information more. On another study done about old-time radio in the classroom, Roxanne Farwick-Owens for the English Journal, writes about uh, old school radio in a new school classroom and tells uh, the story of a teacher who uses old school radio, exposes her students to it, and then has them recreate it for a podcast and the different uh, aspects and things that they did to reconstruct that and how it was such a useful tool. Um, Again, exposing the kids to a medium that they may not have gotten otherwise and just allowing those creative juices to flow in the use of radio to help 
encourage and produce creativity inside of that new medium. So they're putting an old school radio show together, this eighth grade class of kids, uh, and they're putting it into a podcast format. The other article I've read in my research for this show was by Michael Brown and Corey Dennison for the Studies of Popular Culture uh, called Integrating Radio into the Home from 1923 and 1929. This is a really fascinating article that talks about the integration of radio into the home as a source of entertainment. And Robbie and I talk about that pretty in depth, about it being the, the TV of the time and how schedules were adjusted and all this. And these two fellas uh, really, really kind of uh, dig deep into actual radios, the displays, what the radios looked like themselves, and then some of the programming that they used. And we mentioned that in there as well and their studies. So if you have the time, please look these studies up, read these articles. They are fantastic and fascinating. With that, let's head over to the conversation with me and Robbie from the Out of the Blank podcast. Good afternoon, friends. Welcome back to the Bar of Questionable Life Choices. Uh, I am Ian. Uh, this is Why Whiskey, and today we are joined by Robbie from Out of the Blank Podcast. And today we are going to be talking about the history of radio. Robbie, how are you? I'm doing all right, Ian. I'm excited to be here. It's like jumping out of an airplane. Am I right? <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> this damn quarantine is, has kept us on the ground, and, uh, and it's bullshit. Hey man, you got to think though. You get to st- you get to stay inside a little bit, maybe instead of jumping out and exploring though. But I mean, I get it. I just I have such a fear of flying. I commend you for even getting up in that thing. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. So uh, we're talking about radio. Um, so Robbie was uh, my my first uh, podcaster interaction when I got this thing started. Uh, shortly after I kicked off, he reached out to me, and I was uh, I was a guest on his show, which was awesome. I had tons of tons of fun. Um, he's got a, a whole depth of experience with podcasts, so I figured it would be great to bring him in and kind of talk about the evolution of radio to this this podcast medium that we have now, which is almost kind of taking the place of of talk radio and the similarities between the two. So, Robbie mentioned uh, to me earlier, uh, you have family that's in radio? Yeah, it's actually before I started this podcast. Um, both my parents work um, in radio. They've done it basically my whole entire life. I mean, ever since I was a little kid, my dad has worked in every single station around here. I remember being like three or four years old, um, you know, being like, I don't feel good. I don't want to go to school, you know, playing that gag and everything. And my dad would just be like, all right, well, I guess you're going to work with me. So we'd wake up at like 4 a.m., drive all the way to this radio station. There'd be a pillow in the car for me to have my, you know, just the rest on. And then as soon as we get there, he just puts me in this meeting room. And I mean, he turn on Mortal Kombat or something and just like keep checking on me every five minutes. He would walk by like, you're okay? He would you like the soda? He would put like a Mountain Dew beside me. I'm like, this is awesome. So was was he a broadcaster a sound engineer what was the he was um a program director so he would line up all the music uh that you know when nobody was going to be at the station because they would play music 24 7 but they would do all the commercials he was also had his own uh basically four or five hours that he'd be on the radio um my mom still does that now my dad ended up uh starting up his own he went from doing like rock radio and basically running every single one major corporation down here until he branched off and decided to own his own um, it's funny because like people, 
meet these radio personalities and that's what they are it's um the reason why we love it so much is we like to connect to the voices behind it that's why certain people get it certain people have a tone of voice where it's like you're listening to them it's like that's entertaining but a lot of the time that voice is very fake and i can tell because like i'll be sitting at home like talking to my dad or something and, and then like when you hear him on the radio he's like welcome to 93.5 and then like they'll just do this persona and it's like whoa like you don't why are you doing that voice like i always know when he would glamour it up around people in public i'm like drop the act bro i know what you sound like you don't sound like that it's like they switch into a character almost yeah Yeah. it's it's entertainable for people oh absolutely i so i was actually uh even thinking about it this morning I remember growing up listening to radio and, and you get the picture of what the person looks like in your head just just by sound. Like, okay, this person's going to be, you know, uh, you know, about this size, this color hair, this type of build, this type of face structure. And then you, you know, back in my time before like the internet and shit, um, you know, so that's all you really had because you couldn't just go hop on the internet and like Google that person and, and see what they look like. So uh, on the rare occasion, you would go and actually meet that radio personality or see what they look like in person. And you're it, more often than not, the sound like their voice and that personality that they project does not match what they look like. And I think that's where the term of face for radio came out like that. It was, uh, you know, how there's a, a big difference. It's the same thing with podcasting too. Like, I mean, mine was mostly audio until I started doing video and people like look at me like, whoa, whoa, you sound a lot older than you are. And I'm like, yep. I'm like, that's uh, you know, your face or kind of like it. You think that like, oh, that's exactly what that person would look like. And you have this idea built up into your head and then you see them. You're like, wow, I was way off. Like I podcasted with this uh, comedian, Steve Simone, and I've been listening to him forever. He's like a really, really famous comedian. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, he sounds small. He sounds like, you know, a, a completely different idea than of who he actually was when I came and started talking to him. He was this giant guy. I'm like, dude, you sound not- – I had to address it right in the beginning. I was like, you are not what I pictured at all. Yeah. It's it's funny how, uh, how our brain does that association. And that kind of the, – the imaginative ability, looking at the history of – radio um and and the sounds like radio was tv you know for what we have or you know tv has now evolved into you know streaming services and all this other stuff but back in the day when it when it kicked off you know the the sound engineers for these old-time radio shows you know dudes in this giant studio with these microphones you know banging uh uh these these big bags of sand like on the ground to sound like horses running or you know um watching them you know as the whoever the voices are you know they're making the sounds to create the full picture and the like everything that comes comes behind it and just just fascinating the amount of production that went into making a audible product yeah it's crazy because like we look at radio and we just think that it's simple you press a button and then song plays or something it's actually so much more difficult and especially now with a lot of the stuff that's going on like the pandemic with all this there a lot of them aren't even in the studio everything's pre-recorded everything's done remotely from another location it's the same thing with like podcasting for instance when you create content a lot of people don't know how much work and how much time and effort was put into making one of your episodes and then so they just get to hear it finally and they're like oh he probably just recorded it and then uploaded it 
never that simple. I remember at three o'clock in the morning or something, my dad be running out of the house, headed all the way, basically an hour away from where we lived to the radio station because the signal was down. He had to go and fix everything because one of the worst things you can possibly have in radio is dead air. And that is literally like you, you'll get sometimes. Um, and even when radio channels were first starting out in the, the beginning, you know, people were fighting for their signal, fighting for that frequency from AM radio to FM radio to different radio stations in the area. That's why you would hear bleed through channels. It would be somebody would go over their point of time. They were supposed to be done at maybe 2 p.m. or something. They would stay on the radio and not hit by that dead time zone. They would still want to keep on going. And then you would hear another channel start coming in. And that other signal was them telling them, hey, you're in our spot. You need to get out because this is how it works. And it was so competitive. I mean, that's all what it is. It's ratings and reviews. Yeah, the uh, I, I, I grossly misunderstood the amount of production time. So I started podcasting. I was in that mindset like, man, I'm just going to record. I'm going to talk to people and then I'm just going to you know, put it out there and it's gonna, that's going to be it. And then you go through and look at the very minute details you listen to that raw product and you're like oh this sucks you know oh we need to we need to trim this we need to fix this and then the, the editing process is i i hate it uh i hate if, editing oh if if you hate your voice it is twice as bad like it's funny because everyone's like why you, you sound awesome why whatever no man i hate my voice more than anything and like i get it people want to up the excuse like oh it's just the sound reverberating in your bones i'm like well it sounds so crappy to me i'll be editing a podcast or something i'm like oh my god let me mute myself real quick man yeah for real so uh we're gonna take a time out from radio uh so one of the things we do on this show is uh is we are a, a whiskey podcast so in honor of uh of looking at that old time radio i pulled out the uh the old forester 1910 so old forester has the they are the first whiskey to actually put whiskey in bottles. The whiskey used to be sold by the barrel only, and then the you know the retailers would would you know you'd have to bring your own container basically to to fill up your own container of booze at the store when you bought it. But these were the uh, these Old Forester was the first whiskey to go into uh, actual bottles and be sold uh, by the bottle. So uh, comes in at ninety three proof. This is obviously not made in 1910, uh, but it's their their 1910 brand. They've got a bunch of different ones from d- different years. They've got like a bottled and bond that they call their uh, 1897, and their 1920 is their uh, their prohibition era or prohibition style whiskey, which is equally as fantastic. Uh, so I understand you're you're not much of a, a booze consumer. Uh, not too much. <laughs> right on. So uh, so I'm a, I'm gonna enjoy this uh, and uh, and say cheers, friend. That means you're gonna have to do a couple shots for me too. It's nice, man. It uh, it, it's not that that super sweet whiskey. It kind of has that uh that drier, uh, woody tone to it a little bit. Uh, I prefer something with taste, man. Like it's strange to see what people will just spend a buck on just to get kind of like that booze feeling. I'm like, I'd rather sit in and actually enjoy it as well. You know, like people do shots or they sit there and I feel like you, it's something that's meant to be cherished. I mean, from talking to a lot of people that do the, like, you know, create their own whiskey or really enjoy it with like a nice cigar or something. I'm like, it's meant to be an event. It's not meant to be something rushed. Like if I'm drinking like a diet soda or something and just chugging it, no, it's meant to be enjoyed and savored and kind of, a good bonding experience too. I mean, it opens up people in such a way. Yes, indeed. Last night we had our first, uh, 
our first fire of the season out back. We've got this um, this fire pit, and uh, and I did. I, I took out a I had old Taylor. So I got a bottle of old Taylor and sat there with a cigar and just Jill and I just sat on the couch and enjoyed I, just the time. And it was, it was fantastic. Uh, sipping whiskey next to the fire with a, with a cigar and, and the old lady and, and listen to some, we had some, you know, we're, we're nineties kids. So, uh, so we had the, the old school nineties music blasting and it, it was, it was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And it's a sign of summer, which just makes me so happy. I'm ready for this, this winter that has never ended to be done finally warms you up on the inside and it's actually pretty funny that uh you know whiskey kind of goes with radio too because one of the biggest things that is like i'll really really kind of look down upon in the industry is drinking on air and it's kind of like crazy just because that lets you say so much stuff and like this is where the difference between radio and podcasting takes off is the fact that radio is scripted Radio is so much like you can kind of add your own little details and minute things, but there is a thing you have to go by. There's a structure. There are ads that need to be played. That means you need to be the the host of it. And like I was offered a radio spot at one point and I said no before I started my podcast because it wouldn't be me. It wouldn't be the free control that podcasting has given us to be able to whatever we want. Any topics you want to talk about aliens, you want to talk about whatever you want. It's free range and you can say what you want. That's a good and bad thing, obviously, when it comes to proof of evidence. But when it comes to radio, like I remember my dad would talk about like they would have uh, people like brewers that would just come in, people that own their own distilleries trying to promote their whiskey out there. and They'd have to drink on air. Next thing you know, you know, you're too comfortable and you're saying something where you get a message later in the day from your boss letting you know like, hey, man. You just crapped on that company. Like you literally, that was one of our sponsors. You definitely shouldn't have done that. It's like, I didn't know I had a couple shots in me. I was ready to go. Yeah. I've, I've had a couple of, uh, episodes where, uh, we, we got to sipping and, uh, uh, you know, back to the editing piece, it was a pain in the ass to edit because we said some shit that, <laughs> uh, you get drunk and get going. Um, Austin and I, one of the guys I work with, I, he and I ended up going for like three freaking hours. And, and it was it was a great conversation, but there was a lot of those like cringy moments, and you could definitely see the uh, the <laughs> the slide down the slope as it as it continued on. Um, but you know, again, one of the the joys, and we don't have to worry about the the FCC, and you know, um, I, I have the freedom to say fuck on a podcast, <laughs> so it's uh, it, it works. This is where I say it's um, like when you were saying earlier how they're kind of similar. I honestly think. I thought that at first, but I really honestly think they're completely different radio and um, podcasting, mostly because like people always say like, well, talk radio is basically podcasting. Not really. I mean, if we look at the history of radio back in the day, there were people like my grandparents that would be running up, you know, getting home, sitting by, uh, you know, the kitchen with the radio on the table, turning it on, just listening to sports events, all these things that we had to start recording and getting out there for people that couldn't be there in person to see. And the difference with podcasting is a lot of it is just, you know, it is talking, it is enjoyable to listen to, but radio has always been been around and it's always going to be around people talk about oh well am radio is kind of dead fm radio you know even when you turn on your radio in your car it's always fm even if you're listening at two o'clock in the morning it's never that am side of things and to see the kind of the shifts and the pools that go on with it it's just so interesting because like you you find talk shows you find different areas like i love when i travel i'll listen to the radio you know if i'm driving by myself my dad he works in it so much he never wants to listen to anything 
Um, you know, just because he knows everything, gets it. He just honestly just is over with music. But like when you're listening to it, there's shows out there that have bits, segments, giveaways, all these types of things to bring in the audience members, bring in attractions. And a lot of the popular um, stations that you see are really only popular because of this little trick that a lot of people don't know. So they don't only just pay on the amount of viewers that turn onto your channel. What they do is they pay for the amount of time that is listened to that station. So if someone listens to you for a long time, you get paid for it. Um, so what they would do is a lot of these crappy stations, you would say, like, if you didn't like, why are they playing? All they do is play that Burke Bacharach record. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't make any sense. Like it's not an enjoyable station at all. It's because when you go to a grocery store and they have the radio playing in there, it just plays on a constant loop. That one station that gets them so much money and brings them up higher on the charts. Hmm. That's, that's interesting. I, I, I didn't know that the, the transition, and, and I completely agree with you that that podcasting is is different uh, than radio. Completely different. Um, if for nothing else, there's the regulation side of it, the the commercial side of it, and it takes there, there's an education process to be had versus somebody that buys a microphone, plugs into their laptop, and then boom, we're we're podcasting. So there there is, and I I appreciate uh, the radio uh, and how and, and where that's gone. The the whole satellite radio thing has been fantastic for me because now I get to go to stations that I wouldn't normally get to go to. And I'm a big talk radio guy. So I love, I love listening to conversations and people share information and stories and stuff. And, and satellite radio has been really great for that because now I can just click into whatever radio station is, uh, is, is playing what, what I want as far as sports go. So back when radio started, it was it there wasn't a commercial side of it it was all ham operators initially uh it was all amateur radio and playing music over those music didn't become a thing until i think it was i think it was 1906 is when the first like like music broadcast happened um and there was a, a great story about so here's this this captain on a boat in the middle of the Atlantic listening to his Morris receiver right just dots and dashes going off and then all of a sudden uh, it's Christmas Eve all of a sudden the dots and dashes break and here comes this voice over the dots and dashes and says Merry Christmas everybody here's Silent Night and then the the, the song Silent Night plays and then it goes back to dots and dashes the like and that was the the very first voice broadcast over the over radio waves which is is hilarious if you think about it you know to be that captain in the middle of the ocean who's never heard anything like that before i'm definitely thinking there's some fucking ghosts on my boat that are talking to me through this radio yeah. thing there's a documentary i saw a long time ago it was with uh, one of the ladies that played i think in the show i love lucy and she was talking about when she was into the dentist office and she was getting her metal fillings kind of replaced and what happened was something bled through like a radio signal she heard morse code through her fillings and her thing and like it found out to be some secret thing that was going on during like i guess during the war or whatever they, they were trying to transmit a code but they couldn't pin it down but it was the craziest thing because to hear about the frequencies that could accidentally get cross bled through to something else. And like being able like when you hear a station and you're like in that midst of, I guess, between two channels, you hear them both kind of playing at the same exact time, that fighting space a little bit. It's funny to think that like you end up picking up a signal from somewhere else. Like I'll be randomly driving and like in my driveway, I can't get a good signal. But if I start backing out, I'll get like a cross bleed like you're listening. And then it's like three states away. I'm like, wow, how the hell is that coming into here? 
Yeah, shortwave, longwave radio stuff. Like there were uh, training bases that would set up radios that could actually receive. Uh, and this was back, uh, I think, Korean War uh, time frame. That were the first couple instances of of it happening where they were actually able to pick up radio communications from Korea. You know, from from the dudes fighting. Um, uh, maybe it was Vietnam. I don't remember. One of the two, and uh, and they could. So the, the actual you know engagements, like these guys were just out training in the field, getting ready to go fight, just by atmospheric, you know, influence, and then how they set their radio up. It was just the perfect conditions to receive this signal that was coming and and that's that's fascinating just just random you know and and again the the atmospheric impact on radio is is pretty sweet and how that that all all works and that's a bunch of science shit that i'm not good on i could tell you the story of like how it started and where it came from but like how it all works and shit like that's a that's that's a couple levels beyond me so we saw the very first talk radio show pop out in the 1920s and it was um it was a televangelist it was a lady uh, tele- I called no, sorry, TV wasn't a thing. Uh, it was this radio evangelist who her the very first radio was this religious, um, this religious show that, and then she went on to be like this uh, super church uh, pastor in California, and then a bunch of scandal happens um, uh, with her afterwards. But that was the very first like talk show radio, and that was in the the early 1920s, and it was a, a religious thing. And uh, most of the broadcasts at that time were stories. Or like um, reviews, like musical reviews, you know, uh, big shows where it was a, a live studio and they're playing, you know, a band is playing music and somebody's singing and that kind of stuff. Very interesting how subjects outside of religion and the news didn't really start to come on the scene until the 80s. And and politics became a big a big topic of conversation. Obviously, a lot of controversy in America at that time. And and my my research was focused on American radio. So I'm I'm not sure what you know radio in Europe and other parts of the world was doing, but uh, specifically in America. So you go from from being you know entertainment, music, and that kind of stuff to be and news. News was a big thing for the radio. Uh, into this this whole discussion transitioned where they're they're talking about other stuff and now these shows are coming out and these shows are coming out that are now talking about other topics outside of what's normally talked about on the radio and that kind of evolves the the whole thing into the into you know discussions and and different show topics you know and you see a this just a it's just an evolution in in what we know as radio today well, if we look at radio too, like radio is just the whole factor of we see it as communication. We see it as news. We see it as alert messages and all these things like, oh, my God, I can buy that for the price of twenty nine forty five. And if I call now, you're telling me I could get it for even cheaper. We'll get before. That's been the whole thing. It's like but when it first starts down, even when I was going to kind of look up communication arts in school, it fall under the category of advertising. And commercial aspects of things. Because if you look at radio, it's constantly selling you a product. There's bits and pieces of things, but they have sponsorships. They have guidelines. Um, I listen to like my mom station in the morning or something. I can tell the interview person that's on there when they have a guest on there how uncomfortable it is for a lot of people to do this because it is a scripted question. This is where I find podcasting so much more interesting because you can go off the book if you want. And listening to a person, they're always going back like – 
great. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to play that. It's constantly bits and pieces, things you have to promote. You have deadlines, you have people breathing down your neck. I mean, it never used to really be like that. A lot of it just used to be free flowing expression back before everybody was kind of monetized in this new way that we have today. That's why podcasting is such taken off because people are getting sick of like when you're listening to Spotify and they're like, keep listening to more. Just watch this 30 second ad. You're like, I don't want to watch any ads. So you'll watch the video. Yeah, absolutely. They said advertising has become such a pain in the ass. I mean, and I, I appreciate people needing to make money and sponsorship and all that stuff. And, um, but there, there comes a point in time where if the advertising impacts the enjoyment or the experience by the consumer, there's a fucking problem. And that, that infuriates me. And you're seeing it more now with, uh, on, on certain websites. And you mentioned Spotify, like last night, we're chilling out by the fire. We got nineties music blasting. And let me tell you, um, every two songs, we've got to listen to some 32nd bit about freaking you know, penis medicine or some shit. You know what I mean? Like it, like what the fuck? Like just, hey, me, this, I just is, play- this is, this is blue apron. You want to buy a steak shipped right to your front door? Come on, buy a uh, Squarespace. Check out our website. <laughs> give me a give me a company that sells fucking toilet paper on cue, you know, and, and then we'll be in good shape. Dude, I am so upset by that because I had a person on my podcast that was involved in the stock market. And I was like, I bet one of the safest stocks is toilet paper. It never goes up and it never goes down. And then a week later, coronavirus hit. And the toilet paper stock, I guarantee you, is booming ever since. I was like, damn, I predicted the future. <laughs> Yeah, who would have thought we'd be in this crazy fucked up world where oil is at a negative and Charmin is at a premium? <laughs> I mean, I guess when it comes to oil and the comfort, I guess the comfort of the what I want to wipe my ass with, I'm going to choose the comfort of what I want to wipe my ass with. Absolutely. Every time. Every time. So, uh, so radio is not void of controversy. It's not void of uh, uh, conspiracy uh theories and uh if i if i know you you are uh you you are aware of one of such stories it's not a conspiracy and i don't care who agrees to it or not it is a real government project it is in our history books mk ultra nobody ever talks about the factor of we used radio at one point and other nations still do it and we technically still do it by brainwashing you with advertisements mind control a certain one called candy jones the reason why i remember this one so heavily is because she is born on the same day as me december 31st so i was like oh we're related you know so my brain just kept that information in there so what happened was there was this pinup model candy jones um the ending kind of project was known as she was the sexy badass of world war ii um, she was like basically like a Playboy model. She was over all of these pinup magazines all over the place. Well, um, during uh, one of her second marriages, she ended up joining radio with um, – I actually pulled up the article with the host, Long John Nebel. Basically, they were you know married for a month or so, and then he started to notice some types of things that would happen to her when he would play something on the radio, kind of like a little bit of being hypnotized. So the mind control claims were like – once he started noticing that she had these violent mood swings and like, you know, she seemed to display a different personality, like an alter ego, which um, she later developed into Candy Jones, her real name uh, being, um, oh God, what was her name? Hang on Jessica Arlene Wilcox. Yes, Jessica Arlene Wilcox. And um, so 
when she would have this alternate personality, they would call it Arlene. But he decided to try hypnotizing her one day and see if they can bring this side out of her. And what happened was there was an elaborate account of her being trained in the CIA under a mind control program, which is known if you look up anything about MKUltra as sleeper agents. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but there was videos, there was pictures of her doing things she couldn't remember, like sleepwalking. And I, I used to be a sleepwalker. So I remember like my dad would take these videos of me and stuff and be like, you don't remember doing this. I'm like, I don't have any clue of what you're talking about. And it was like somebody was controlling me or something, but they found a way to use her um in vietnam in 1970 and all these types of weird things that were going on she would have all these accounts and memories of things that like these activities she never she never even could have thought of that she could do but there was video and proof of it hmm. so so this the on the radio the, the neville guy was he what was his relationship to her he was married to her okay they were both sharing the same radio station they were i think married about a month he started to notice that that she had these weird mood swings and stuff that were happening and it was kind of throwing him off and he wondered what it was and like just kind of uncovering it i mean because what really brainwashing is or any of these types of mind control things is is just playing repetitive patterns it's the same reason like if you're going to listen to an audiobook when you go to sleep like um the guy who plays captain stulu he's got a really strange audiobook where he's like you're beautiful oh my and like he would just it's the craziest thing to listen to ever but like once you train your brain that way it's the same thing when um to solve schizophrenia, what we use is electroconvulsive therapy, and that's just because when our brain starts to react um, to the same symptoms of schizophrenia, like things that are coming on to maybe produce an episode, what would happen is it would trigger the system to shock your brain. So eventually when your brain would try and do it on its own, it would get that shock response even though there was nothing connected to you. It was like training you, like kind of like what you do with a dog and a shock collar. Yeah. Yeah, learn behavior. I mean we're animals, uh, so that's – it's reasonable to to think the MK Ultra thing is neat because of of the psychedelics, like and all the drugs and stuff that they used to kind of uh, get their participants to to like for some of that stuff. But I I am a firm believer that that there are maybe not like mind control, like where they can actually like come in and like make you do things, but um, using certain things to uh affect people and you you saw it recently in the news down in um oh where was that was it cuba where there were some some operatives in a in a hotel and uh they were they were being like uh radio wave like focused radio wave guns were being shot at their hotel room uh and it got them like super sick and uh really kind of had some some like like emotional and psychological impacts uh on them Uh, like that's and that's you know. Well, that's what we've been talking about. A lot of people are blaming Corona on the 5G and all these types of things that are coming out. But like, obviously, like I've talked to a few people that build the signal towers and stuff, and it's amazing to see how far we came from them. I mean, they at like radio stations now, if you see the giant antenna, the giant signal things like, you know, the really ridiculous broadcasting towers. Yeah. A lot of those are just for show. That's not where the real stuff is. You know, um, for instance, the one in my town at Secrets Radio, there's this giant thing that sticks out like, I mean like a splinter or something out of like our city, but it doesn't even work. It, there's nothing on it. It just there for show. It makes it look more professional. And it's funny because 
if we look at mind control brainwashing, I mean, that's all on TV and news today. It's just constantly drowning you with information that could be wrong, but you're not going to go look up the information for yourself. That's what MK Ultra was. What they would do is they would play these signals. They would play these audible clicks and train your brain in a certain way to react when uh, something got played or something was kind of shown to you. So it would be easy if you know, you're going to try and train people. You got to think. Is radio all nowadays? Are we getting trained in a certain way just to be able to tune in? Is there a reason why you wake up at a certain time? Is there this one, that, and this and that? It goes down some really crazy lines. And I'm not saying it's a conspiracy or anything. I'm just saying it's interesting to think about the amount of propaganda and where radio has taken a turn from basic sporting events to mind control to when am I going to get a sham wow and what's the price and what number do I call? I want one of those magic chopper things, you know? The, yeah, the, yeah, slap chop. Slap chop. Slap. There you go. <laughs> that guy went to jail. I can't believe that one. Yeah, the advertising thing. Um, and it, and you saw that evolution happen in radio somewhere between, uh, I, th- I think it was the mid-30s and early 40s where most of the advertising was done by, you know, the actual host of the show. Hey, today's show is sponsored by da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And listening to those ads, uh, because they were advertisements at the time, but, you know, it was the host in real time that was doing them. They're fascinating and, and uh, selling something. And it's it's the same now. It's just most of our cues now are visual uh, as opposed to audible. And um, but it's literally the same thing. Hey, if you take this stuff, it's going to do this and this and this and this. And whiskey was actually one of those products. You know, whiskey during Prohibition was uh, it was a, a medicine. You know, they they doctors would prescribe you know doses of whiskey. Um, you know, and and the advertisements for whiskey itself were during that period of time were awesome. You know, it'll cure this, 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 and this. Uh, sure, yeah, yeah, it'll cure it, or you'll be so drunk that you won't even realize that you're sick anymore. You know, one of the two. Well- even with the corruption we could talk about about radio too, there's so much benefit to where it has brought us. I mean, what were the soldiers listening to in times of war? They were listening to the radio. They were listening to signals. They were trying to get pumped up. It was a great morale type thing as well. I mean, the whole factor is, um, you know, when you're sitting there fighting in the trenches, somebody plays Cre- uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival, you know, you're pumped up, man. Or like, you know, Robin Williams did a movie about it, like, good morning, Vietnam. Like, that whole thing, it was to pump you up. It was to make sure that, you know, you know, you play a song, you play anything. This is a message. That's the whole point of radio was a message to the people, whether it was selling you something or whether it was to pump you up and get you in your feelings, get you in a mood and get you ready to take on the day. It's an information source. I mean, the newspaper turned into regular radios that people had in their homes that they would turn on. Then a TV came into a factor. Then we started putting them in our cars. I mean, if anybody remembers the anxiety that you had to pay and get for serious radio, that freaking five foot antenna that stuck off the side of your car and everything i remember everybody wanted a a serious radio to be able to listen to any station you want all these at your fingertips and stuff it's so interesting to see how it's evolved and to the form it's at now where people are spending a lot of their time just listening to podcasts and even some radio stations are now starting to fall into the niche of doing podcasts i know um my local radio station that my mom works at she their whole show, their whole live on air three hour thing that they get paid for is just recorded and put up on Apple. 
and you can hear the bits, you can hear the songs play, and that leads into copyright infringement. You'll come across podcasts now that um they do a radio show basically, like this is a song by this, this, and they just start playing songs back and forth, and that gets they only can play thirty something seconds or so because you can't mimic the radio. There's big rights and stuff that gets involved with that. Yeah, yeah. So there was a um there was a study done. Um, uh, Soben McHugh for the Oral History Review, and he talks specifically about. Uh, so it, it's talking about oral history, but the the effects that um, you know audible communication has on people, and the difference between watching something and then listening to something, uh, and and the benefits and and drawbacks of that, and he he brought to light, you know, because you, you had mentioned radio pumping the troops up and uh, uh, emotion evoking sound uh, in in telling a story and being being drawn into that that emotion and whatever that sound is, be it somebody talking, be it you know you know uh, a show, be it music, uh, and and how our brains kind of kind of take that sound and then translate it into and we can make people feel things and i think radio has a big part in that still today you know when when we want to get pumped up or if we're feeling kind of sad or if we you know like that that uh i had a, a lady work for me for a while and she introduced me to the term yellow uh She's like these. These are yellow songs. I'm listening to yellow songs today. I'm like, what the fuck is yellow songs? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? And she plays these songs, and she's like, these are are songs that are designed and structured to make you feel better and to to bring up your mood. And like, that's a whole that's a whole thing. So you have these these radio stations that have the ability to do that, and I, I think they have figured out the way over time to to kind of ride that human wave of emotion. And they can they feel the the pulse, as it were, of whatever their their audience base is, and and that dictates what they play. It's trying to be what um, is considered in a new form as well. With my parents doing radio, they also did a, the night kind of thing too, which was DJing. And what a lot of that is being able to read your audience, being able to tell what's going on. I mean, I don't know how many times, like for my birthday or something, I would uh, tune in on the radio. My dad's like, I'll give you a special shout out or anything on the radio or something. So I'd be sitting there like, he's like, this is for my son, Robbie out there. He wants to listen to Panic at the Disco 9 in the afternoon. Happy birthday, buddy. And then like next thing you know, all you hear would be like my song play. I'm like, oh, that was for me. And I don't know how many times I come into class and like my teachers would be like, I heard your dad on the radio. He's mentioned in that time that you got your foot stuck in the toilet i'm like what the hell dad like <laughs> damn it dad. holy crap <laughs> but that's what podcasting is it's like radio is the same way you know you tune into a station you tune into something on basis of your first impressions obviously do you like the person's voice do you think you can vibe with that person's content i know some people that tune into the radio station because they want to hear reggae music and they only tune into a certain hour when someone's on there's um funny things about it you can kind of tackle it in multiple ways but it's about finding your own radio personality i've talked to a few on the podcast and said how long did it take for you to find your niche it's all about really being real and original you can't 
really try and structure yourself. I know a lot of people that would try and I'm going to act like this guy. I'm going to do what this guy does. I'm going to do what this guy does. You're not going to be able to keep it up for long. You need to find yourself. I had a choice when I first started this podcast that I want to sound professional, that I want to be like, welcome to another episode. And then like, you know, do the whole like bravado and have like the whole facial expression. So anybody that's looking at me can see I look like an idiot doing a Christopher Walken impression like oh my it's tragic news like that whole i could have did that no because i was like i'm having conversations with people i definitely need to keep my voice normal so i can just talk and not trying to hold up an act for one to two hours because if you look at radio they're doing it in five minute ten minute intervals and then you have a commercial come in or a song come in and there's people that listen to radio because obviously you love the overall banter it's the same thing people are going to listen to this episode they're going to vibe with our conversation or not they're going to be like oh these guys have good chemistry or they're like yeah whatever um obviously you're, they're going to love you Ian. you know how it is and get all the glory and pat on the back for you but now like, when it comes to radio there's a good station um that my dad used to work at 93.5 the beach down here and they do the weirdest thing and it involves confrontation they call deadbeat dads People that ran out on um, like a mom that has a couple of kids that's not paying child support and they call them up and say, you just won a competition, buddy. How are you doing? What's your name and address and email? We're going to send you a check and then you can use that check to maybe pay your child support. And they would they would do that. And that's all about you have to get the person's right. You have to get the person to say, OK, you agree to you know being recorded. You have to agree to all these types of things that comes into sketchy boundaries, it comes into territories, people suing people. Um, you know, it's their personal infringement. But. Same thing with podcasting. When you agree to be on it, you know, you're already signing a waiver saying I'm giving you full access to my content. Yeah. And the, I, I think that kind of plays into like that, the, the drama stuff that we, we thrive on as a society right now. You know, you look at reality TV and, um, you know, uh, a reality television show of just a model family a in America doesn't get anything. There's got to be some controversy and some, some shenanigans. And I think radio radio does that too. And, and there's a couple of the stations I listen to. They do, uh, the, they like the prank call thing, you know, they'll call or, uh, or the one radio station in the morning they do, um, when, you know, somebody feels like their significant other is, is being unfaithful. They, you know, they, they call them and kind of like put them on the spot and it, it's, it's a bunch of, I, I don't know. Um, it kind of kind of plays into like the societal uh, again where where we are and and what what our audience needs to to feed us. And I I think that's where I, I enjoy podcasting so much is uh, and and listening to podcasts because I can pick a niche and just and and that's it. Like I don't have to listen to. You know, if unlike radio, you know, I want to hear these these songs. I've got to listen to this guy talk about freaking, you know, the Kardashians or whatever. Ping pong for ten hours. (laughs) There you go. Um, Versus being able to just go in and select, like, you know, um, I want to listen to guys talk. uh, Just have a an educated conversation about this specific topic, right? I can come find you, and I can listen to you talk to you know a scientist or an artist or a you know a a, a stockbroker in New York City, or and and that be the the ability to select that I think is is fantastic. And if radio had that, the ability to do that, I think it would you would see podcasting less. And then again, it's all it comes down to regulation. You know, the FCC comes in and, and says, "Hey, we can operate within these confines." And and I'm nervous that podcasting will 
grow to the point where they enforce that regulation. You see a little bit like you had mentioned earlier with using other people's content, you know, in, in so long and making it like a radio station uh, and that being a, that being a thing. So I, I hope it doesn't go that way um, because I, I, I really enjoy the ability to, to just kind of go and pick and choose and listen to, to what I want. Sometimes, well, sometimes add three. The variety of podcasts is just amazing. I mean, the fact you can go to true crime, you're not going to hear anything about true crime on the radio unless they're reporting a news thing like, oh, this guy killed three people or something. But when you're listening to true crime, listening to conspiracy theories, listening to somebody talk about the history of whiskey and other topics, too, it's enjoyable. It's stuff you like to, you know, it's people that are interested in these certain things. I mean, I'm not about getting a big audience. It would be cool if it took off that way, but it's just fun because – you're I'm ha- like I get to meet so many people and talk to so many people like yourself to have these amazing stories. I still use your references in a lot of my uh, podcasting, dude. I'm like, you, I talk to a guy that is basically scared every time he jumps out of an airplane. That feeling never goes away, but he does it as a job every single day. It's one of the most badass things I think I've I've heard. Besides, like a dude that makes knives or you know something where he's like, I sell them to underage kids. I'm like, that's not legal, <laughs> you know. But like, <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't sound right but um it's funny because like you get to you get to hear a lot of stuff you get to hear stories i think people really like to connect to things that are relatable they like to hear the experience side of things and there's even motivational radio there's healing channels there's people that sit there and just want to talk about benefits and look for advice because i mean we're constantly our eyes are searching for um an information source and our ears are looking for anything that can help us in our own lives and radio does do that um, it obviously it kills that drive too, especially if you don't want to sit there and use your data on like YouTube or something, but it's so important and so crucial to how we kind of use today, which is why I think it'll never fade out. I always hear people say, um, podcasting is going to be the new form. Radio is going to end up dying or moving on to something else. No, as long as we have cars, we'll always have radio. As long as we always have those things in our house, we'll always have radio. As long as we always have our phones, we'll have radio. I know every now and again to turn on, um, like depending on where you're from too, a lot of the radio stations are uh, changing. Um, Tennessee, a lot of the stations are country, obviously. Uh, I went to Hawaii. A lot of those are reggae music, man. I mean, every single station is reggae. And I swear to you, it vibes with the city. It vibes there. I'll turn on, um, uh, it's called 101 Da Paina. I'm pretty sure I'm saying that correctly. My cousin's from Hawaii. So if he hears me mispronounce it, he'll give me crap for it. But uh <laughs> They play nothing but Bob Marley jams, good old Polynesian type style music. It's enjoyable. I'm sitting here listening to it in Ocean City, Maryland, and I'm like, wow, this is completely different. It brings me back to that state. It brings me back to that memory of maybe jamming out in the car with one of your family members or something where you're like, I want this song. Like, oh, we got to tune in at this time. Now it's like I can just pull up on Spotify if I want, which is it's kind of crappy because you used to have to try and. You know, it's like going to McDonald's uh, to get breakfast in the morning before they started serving it all day. You had to be there at this time. Everybody get in the car. We're getting hash browns. We're getting McMuffins. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, it, it totally. And one of the, the things you see, uh, so radio being the first big source of entertainment and, um, you know, radio preceded television. And so in the, I think it was in the, the like 1927 or 1928, there was like 60 million radios produced and sold to, to families across the country. 
so um it, but for the the entertainment source and it wasn't just a you know it wasn't in cars yet it wasn't like they you know they would use huge sets like like TVs are now the family would have to schedule their day around the programming so if there was a show right and you you see these these old images of of old time radio where the family sitting around the dad sitting in a chair with a pipe and a newspaper and the kids are on the floor and you know the big radio sitting there on the side and and that was a thing that was a that became a a structure for the people who could afford to have radios and that was their like their their end of the day family time was sitting around and listening to you know the Lawrence Welk show or uh you know all this other stuff and I but and that that survived the test of time though because I can remember being a kid uh sunday nights uh growing up uh towards the end of grade school and the beginning of middle school sunday nights we would listen to a radio show called adventures in odyssey and i was you know i, I grew up in a very religious home my dad's been a pastor since 1985 um so so it was a it was a a children's like Christian broadcasting, like show, like an old school radio show. And I remember um, myself and my sisters and brother, we would sit there and we would listen to the whole thing. It was an hour long and we knew the character names. We knew all of the, you know, and it was that progressive thing and your imagination. And now, now Adventures in Odyssey is actually a cartoon that is put out by uh, one of the Christian broadcasting networks. So it's transitioned into a different medium because nobody's listening to Well, not nobody. Um, Radio entertainment has has changed uh, audiences, and but that I, that aspect of radio, you know, starting as a communication device, evolving into an entertainment source, and then changing like the how it has progressed over time. You know, the very first uh, nation like like nationwide broadcast was the Rose Bowl. Uh, where I think it was USC and Stanford played uh, the Rose Bowl and they ended in a tie. And like, but that was the first ever broadcast that went across the nation. It was NBC. Uh, so RCA owned um, the National Broadcasting Company, which was a radio company at the time. And they were, that was the first thing that they, they played. So, yeah, so listening to, to sports uh, was, was one of the big, the, like the first ever nationwide show and i i it that that's fascinating uh and then from there it just continues to grow and grow and now shit now we can listen to freaking radio from kazakhstan if we (laughs) we turn into the the satellite radio shit you know i want to i wanted to do a radio station i remember when my dad offered it out to me he was like would you like your own segment and this is the time i was thinking about doing a podcast and my initial thoughts of what i wanted to do for a podcast was just a person eating different types of cereal like asmr into the microphone but like not adding milk so it's just dry so you're sitting hearing somebody gnaw on some like dry like raisin bran then you hear like the because <coughs> you get the chips stuck in your throat and i was like just that for 15 minutes and just blasting that on the radio like like, I think what's interesting is when we're talking about it, and I don't want to flip and be the host here, but I want to ask you this. Everyone has a specific moment in radio that brings them like a good memory with it or something when listening to it. It brings back a certain either point in their childhood. For instance, like I remember my senior year before I even started getting super into podcasts, like I was just listening to Joe Rogan or something. But in my town, we had this guy, DJ Batman, who used to be like a stud back in the day, but now he's kind of crazy and old. So they just put him on it like really late at night when like everybody's asleep or less views. Cause he plays like 
Beatles and all these classical stuff. It's good stuff, but it not fit for the radio station that's reggae and rock music. Like you're listening to Fly Me to the Moon. You're like, oh, God, this guy. He's like, I love this jam. Let's play it again. And I remember being at a 7-Eleven. I think it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. And he goes... Uh, this is for all you people out there, probably at 7-Eleven at this late at night, 2 o'clock in the morning, sitting in your car, eating a nice taquito that's been on the roller for way too long. And I'm sitting there with the taquito in my hand like, is this guy, what, uh, am I on a hidden camera show? And like, you're looking around your car, making sure nobody's in the back seat. It's like that experience has always stuck out in my head when I'm listening to the radio, how someone could toss something out like that. And I think that's what makes um, it enjoyable to listen to is when you get a personality where you can sense the emotion, you can sense that tone in there. Yeah. Uh, so if if I had to uh, – a radio-specific memory for me would be uh, 9-11. So I was in uh, advanced individual training, so AIT. That morning, we had just shit, we had just marched out to do a week long training, and I remember I'm laying in the woods uh, in Fort Lee, Virginia. Uh, playing, I found like we we set up our little fighting position, and uh, and and in setting up our fighting position, we uncovered a box turtle. So I'm sitting here playing with this little fucking turtle. Um, and then all of a sudden we get called up, uh, like we get pulled off the line and, and brought together with our, our leader. And, and he says, all right, you know, hey, terrorists are attacking America and da, 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 da. And, you know, they've blown up the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. And, and we're like, we're like, oh, OK, cool. We thought he was giving us the scenario uh, for the week. Like, OK, cool. We're going to be fighting. You know, we're going to be fighting fake terrorists for the week who are attacking America. And then we get pulled up to the, the company level command area. And it's a little weird, and all of a sudden, like, our, our commander came out, and he was very passionate and very... I was like, man, this guy should be on Broadway. It's pretty fucking cool. Like, he's he's really selling this this scenario thing, uh, getting us amped up to go fight fake terrorists, and all of a sudden, all the buses show up. And we're looking at each other like, what the fuck? And all, everybody starts yelling and screaming and telling us to get on the buses, and the buses pull up to the main gate, and we get up to the main gate of Fort Lee, and the traffic is insane, um, here are, uh, 50 cows mounted on Humvees with real bullets in them. And we're like, what the fuck is going on? We go up to the armory because we had all of our weapons and, and they're not letting us turn in our weapons because they don't know what's happening. And we still are kind of lost in the sauce. And our company commander pulls his car up to us. We're sitting in the grass outside the armory and he pulls his car up to us and he turns on the radio and we, for the very first time, we are hearing what is actually happening to our country. And and we go from being really confused. There, there was a huge emotional shift to being, I don't know how to put it, um, angrily motivated. We, we went into fucking fight mode. You know what I mean? It's propaganda. It's the same reason when I saw... The Lone Survivor, the first thing I wanted to do was sign up for the military as soon as I got out of that movie theater. It was literally a propaganda movie to get people to, you know, the numbers of, first of all, people that got drafted or got recruited in increased after a movie like that came out just because of the impact of how it had. I mean, if we really take the time, like, if you want to get a serious serious kind of thing to it i remember um when sandy hook when that whole incident was happening and stuff we're driving in the car 
people are turning on the radio and they're getting really close to it while they're driving, trying to listen, trying to figure out what's going on because that was our source of information. You don't have a TV in your car unless you're freaking, uh, you know, machine gun Kelly or something. You don't have that. Okay. You're not ludicrous. You don't have the, you know, the, the system hooked up with the PlayStation in there. You're turning on the radio and you're trying to hear what's going on, what's happening in the world. It's the same thing. Like when you go in your car sometimes now you're hoping, you know, radio stations are going to mention like the COVID situation or, you know, you're going to find out more information what's happening over there i mean same thing back in war times people were turning in the radio what's happening back home what's happening back home we're listening to a live event a baseball game good times with it as well i mean a christmas story little orphan annie you got that code that decoder pen man you had to tune into that station and write oh, yeah. that stuff down man. drink your oval team <laughs> yeah well no that was because that was the code that was the the message yeah. that he uh he uncoded he and it was there. an advertisement he was pissed yeah you were that's what that, that is the best example of what radio still is today it's all about giveaways all about advertisements it's so funny too that kind of connects in and you know it's interesting too because we all have thoughts and experiences on it as well but i mean even though how important it plays and all these types of things you still turn it down if you're trying to find somebody's house so yeah so weird like we need to focus let me turn this down real quick like it's i need, gonna, it's, I need everybody quiet while i try and find this yeah. <laughs> no i i'm totally guilty of that like when we're going somewhere and we've got the you know the car full of kids it's like all right everybody shut up i gotta see what road this is <laughs> yeah which is weird I, I don't know why that's why that's a thing uh, everybody does it dude i'm at fault for doing it myself i'm, I'm, I'm like which house was it hold on let me turn the radio down like, why did you turn the radio down it's like i need to see better it doesn't make sense but this is how it works yeah yeah our our brain is is a weird thing so so we we kind of covered the the gamut and and the roundabout evolution with some some fun stuff in there um do you 20 years from now what is radio doing do you think oh probably a lot of the same stuff um playing music but i feel like a lot more of it see now this is a really really good question because i have two thoughts on it it could branch off like a fork in the road one it could go and start to reverberate back to let's just play songs let's just play and do personality let's just have talk radio let's do all these things to really entertain our viewer or it can go down the money road i mean that's what's crazy is the fact is there's a thing called um in my area where they do two hours of commercial free uh radio and we are a pretty big station there that does that so they lose to upwards of $10,000 to $50,000 in that two hours on sponsorship and ad revenue. I mean, everyone forgets, like, you're enjoying a whiskey right now, but you know what the radio used to play all the time? Red Stripe, it's Bia, hooray, Bia. I remember that commercial playing constantly, and, like, I used to go to the radio station with my dad even when I was in high school just because I just didn't, you know, I didn't want to go to school. He's like, well, why don't you just come and chill out at the radio station, and we'll go get lunch down at the restaurant, bring it up, and we'll just sit here and just, like, have fun and talk. And uh, I remember, too, we'll be in the middle of a conversation, like, hang on, he just walked over to think get in character and go now we're going to be playing a little bit of the kiss for you bringing it in and in, bringing it in bringing it in bringing it in it's like okay and then like we go back to having a talk but all those commercials used to playing everything was advertisements and then you're like why is there playing so much sponsorship and advertisements like because we get fifty thousand dollars every time we play one of those things so you bet your ass we're going to throw 30 of them in there yeah streaming music 
and the ability i mean so we've got such so between streaming music and podcasting i i would say we've got we have all of the resources of radio at our fingertips and customizable to exactly what we want when we want so i i feel as though 20 years from now radio radio is going to have to either mirror uh internet services or and and to do that it's going to there's going to be there has to be so much deregulation and that's we we don't deregulate shit like ever very well. Well, that's the scary thing about what's going on in this COVID situation is people are hearing the same talk radio stations over and over again. Um, people were sending in letters to like a lot of radio stations saying, like, you guys aren't social distancing. You guys are being together in a room recording this thing, even though they're essential media because it's technically news. Um, you know, they're essential employees, so they have to still go to work. But a lot of them aren't even there. A lot of it's just like it sounds like they're in the station. It's all pre-recorded or it's done remotely. And I think that's eventually what it's going to be is a lot of these things are going to just be – I'll record this, record that. But honestly, it does play into the factor of the radio station for a lot of people that are involved um, in that general area being around it so much. I can tell when somebody's playing a different vocal type thing, when they're doing something with their voice. I can also tell if they're in the actual room. I can sit there and listen to it. I'm like, they're not there. Like, what do you mean? I'm like, this does not have that real feel because there's something just like when you're podcasting, when you're podcasting with just your computer, you're talking in without a microphone, there's a, you're still into it, but it gets more real when a microphone and a system is set up beside you, your mixer, all these things, you got the giant studio headphones on. It's a lot more professional. It's like clothes make the man. Close, make this close, make that, that, that bring up that confidence. It's the same thing. Radio, when you get those feelings of pushing up the sliders, um, you know, just to affect like maybe how, where our songs playing or when this, or I need to quiet it down in the studio. I need to quiet it down my headphones. I have a guest on. I got to turn this up. got to turn that up. It's such a different feel. And you can sense it in the person's voice, sense it in the person's confidence. And I hear it now. And when I, when I'm listening to it, I'm like, oh, I got to change the channel. Like, why am I? Like, Cause they're not there. They're not in the studio, in the little room with the microphone hooked up, the computer in front of them, the studio mixer off to the side, the little white glass windows so people walk by can see in there doing whatever you want. I mean, that was one of the biggest things that sticks out in my mind at a radio station is when I used to walk by and see my dad playing a Kiss or an ACDC song and just see him like backing up, playing a little bit of like air guitar and like nodding his head, tapping his, always tapping his foot. And people would call in like, hey, can I get this request? He's like, sure thing, sure thing. And he was an icon con for so long it was always like you're this guy's kid here you get this and just hand me things and eventually i was like i need to start making my voice known on my own without mentioning my parents and they were always like dude if you want that job just mention my name and i'm like flooded so badly he talked about you know hurricane sandy came through that was a big time and everybody left this town everyone it was a ghost town just like how it is now when you're roaming the streets and nobody's out on the like out everybody's in their homes nobody was in this town they put up sandbags to block the bridges so nobody could go in and nobody could get out once you were in you were in you're riding out so the only people that stayed were business owners people that couldn't afford to let their place get damaged people that had to protect and make sure that they could do everything they possibly can to stop if a fire happened if you know flooding was starting to happen they can get all their essentials to a different floor so all these business owners were sitting there and they had nothing to listen to there was not a lot of internet i mean i mean there was internet back then but when a freaking disaster is going on the power's out everything's disconnected radio stations have their own emergency system backed up to stay on there so my dad was the only person that stayed all the other radio guys left 
when it was over with, so many business owners came to my dad and gave them gift cards to their restaurant. They said, you helped us get through this. We're sitting here clenching a radio in our kitchen, praying to God that our business doesn't get destroyed and we don't be ruined or we don't get killed. And my dad would talk about like, buddy, I was on the air literally 23 hours a day just for the couple of days that that situation was happening. He couldn't sleep. He talked about, you know, because right where their studio is, is nothing but glass that overlooks the water. They're right on the water. So they have giant tsunami sized waves slamming into the glass. And he's sitting there like this, I could die right now, but he had to stay on the radio because he knew so many people needed it out there. They needed updates. They needed good songs to be played. It sounds ridiculous, but so many people gave him gift cards. I mean, I'll never forget going, uh, one of the, best Italian joints in my spot. I mean, it's $80 for a plate of like pasta, which is ridiculous, but like, that's I'm, some, a, I'm, that's a, I'm expensive a, spaghetti, dude. I'm a McDonald's man, dude. Five bucks is at his most I'm paying for a meal. So when it comes to like a Ruth Chris steakhouse, I'm like, yeah, I need that. I need that special. But, uh, chicken nuggies. Yeah. Right. Dude. It can't be dino nuggets, bro. I I remember asking them too at the Italian restaurant. You guys got dinosaur nuggets? Like, no, we have a clam uh, We have a clam spaghetti pasta with an Alfredo romaine, whatever that. And they said a bunch of words I didn't understand. I'm like, I'll just take the breadsticks. You know what I mean? But. <laughs> Yeah. It was interesting, too, because to see how they looked at him after that situation, too, before they loved him. But even afterwards, they're like, you're a man of the people. And I think that's what's needed is it's definitely meant to get you through those hard times and to find those people that are that committed to be there. I mean, I have a poster I'm staring at right now as I'm talking to you of Wee Man that came to my dad's radio station. And my dad took pictures and got to meet Wee Man. Uh, you know, you know, he signed it, everything too. It says, "Hey, Rob, keep on rocking." Like that was, you know, that's cool to me. It still hangs in the studio and stuff. But it, that's what my inspiration. That's where my passion for it comes from. And the whole factor is, I think it's always going to be around. I just don't know how saturated it's going to get. Hopefully, with a lot of the stuff that's going on, people are going to realize that the internet is a better way and a better avenue for advertising than radio is ever going to be. So maybe we can revert back to just playing good old classic jams yeah and i i think radio's future is going to be based in emergency situations uh and and you you alluded to uh, a radio station can kick on a generator and send signal out versus um you know if the power's out you know we can we can find a radio i mean shit throw some batteries in a an old school walkman and you've got a uh, an old you know you've got a radio receiver right there uh it doesn't require a server and it doesn't require a big room full of these, these processors and boxes and all this other shit to work. Um, it, you know, they can literally just send uh, signal out into airspace and, and deliver messages via these radio waves. And, and it doesn't require a computer. It doesn't require a cell phone. It doesn't, all these things it, that are necessary for internet and for, networking and that type of communication. So I, I think radio's history or radio history, radio's future is going to be based a lot on emergency. I hate to use the word emergency, uh, difficult situations and, and radio will be what we lean on for communication, for information delivery and for all that stuff. And I don't think there's an appreciation for it right now because I, man, I can grab my phone and I got music with the touch of my thumb, I've got news with the touch of my thumb, you know, like all this, all this shit there, there isn't an, uh, an appreciation for that. And I don't think there will be until we get into those types of situations where 
you know, everything's out. And the only thing is your dad's voice telling people it's going to be okay. This is where they can go. This is what's going to keep them safe. And, and those types of things and, and radios necessity in, in those types of situations, I think is, is its future. And, and I, am with you. I, I a hundred percent hope that, uh, the advertising shifts over to the internet and, and comes off the, the radio and we can just pop on a station and, and rock out for extended periods of time. One, one day, one day, I definitely think uh, we're going to get to that point. I mean, you got to think with social media and all these other things that are coming out that you're getting advertisements left and right for. I guarantee you have a couple advertisements on my phone as we're speaking right now. When I turn it on, it's going to say something like chicken nuggets on sale or something just from the basis of them listening to our conversation. But radio is always going to have a factor. It's always going to be around. It just depending on which where it shifts and where it goes. It's, it's a mystery, but I definitely think that you know, especially with the situation that's going on right now, I know a lot of people like I'll look on Facebook will be messaging my dad's station being like, thank you so much for playing this one song. It really like resonated with us. It got us up in our feelings and caring for people. I mean, if you play anything during a terroristic attack or playing an American country song that makes you literally go like, this is where I'm from and this is my home and like th- that type of feel to it, that is going to bring anybody to care about anything and really, really, really appreciate that that's there because sometimes you don't know that's needed it's like a hug you don't know how much you actually need one until you get it yeah absolutely that that's uh, very well stated very well stated right on man well cool uh so uh i think that'll that'll just about wrap us up for today we uh we got a chance to talk about radio where it came from uh, its evolution and where we might think it's going in the future. So, man, again, thank you so much for, for coming in today and, and hanging out with me and talking. I, I love uh, the conversations that, that you and I have, have gotten to have over the, the, the short time. Dude, I appreciate it, man. Anytime you want a guest or something, let me know. Dude, this is a lot of fun. Uh, I really appreciate what you do, especially with your podcast as well, too. Um, I love – I mean, even – there's times like a lot of people sit there and be like, oh, you say a lot of random crap. It's like I have so much information in my brain. I mean, as I'm talking to you, I can show you because you can see it. But people listening are going to see it. I have a giant binder like this. This is nothing but conspiracy articles. This is nothing but facts. This is nothing but history. There's a point in our history where bread was banned. Sliced bread, that was banned. Yep. So I'm like, this is all information I just sit there and ponder around because, I mean, I spend what? I only sleep two hours, three hours a night. So, I mean, a lot of my time is thinking. So a lot of my time is like, I need to look up an article. I want to find more research. I want to expand my knowledge, not only conversations with people, but, you know, just finding out what was the world like at one point. And I think that's what's interesting about your podcast too. Um, Especially like, even though the whole time, like I'm listening to it, I'm thinking of starting up my own moonshining business and how I can get away with it. But I mean, it's just interesting to find out a lot of the history stuff that a lot of people aren't too hip or know a lot about. Everything's about social media or Gary V telling you how much you can make in a quick buck. I'm like, I want to learn about the history of Westgate, not how much it would take to invest into the stock market and then promote my profits from there. Right on. Yeah. And so the, the funny thing about history and this goes into that whole the, – the regulation of radio stuff. You know, There are certain topics that are off limits, and, and that bothers me. And one of the joys of, of podcasting is I get to share those things that are maybe considered socially unacceptable, uh, but they're still a part of our story. And telling the story 
is is so crucial and so very important. Uh, we, I, I can grab a history book and rip out two pages, and then I give that history book to my kids, and those two pages are gone forever. And that history is going to be what's taught to their kids and their kids without these two pages. And and we can't do that. We have to keep it intact. We have to know, you know, the really cool shit that we did, and we got to know about the really ugly, terrible shit that we did. Uh, so we don't do the ugly, terrible shit again, and we learn our lessons from from our ancestors who who fucked it up real bad for us back in the day. So it, history is just um, it's something that we we've we've got to keep going. And uh, researching has become an absolute joy for me. And thank God this quarantine has given me ample amounts of time to uh, just dig into random weird shit. Um, you know the the story about the the boat captain who. who at, on a random Christmas Eve gets a voice message over his Morse code system. Like, uh, you know, you, you hear that and, you know, it's not something I would have like really looked into ever had I not gotten the opportunity. So yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty awesome. So, uh, okay. So where, where can we, where can we find you? Where can my, my listeners find you and hear you and, and get more of, of Robbie? This is the, the only. This is the hardest part for me is because I really just I'm terrible at trying to promote myself. It's just out of the blank. If you guys want to look it up, um, it's anywhere you can find anything. You just type in on Google and it'll pop up. Um, what I really want to say here is I really appreciate uh, you for letting me be on the podcast. It was a blast um, having it on there, especially watching your face get redder and redder the more you consumed whiskey. Um, but <laughs> but it was a great time to have you on, or not? Well, I guess be on the podcast, and I really appreciate you doing out there what you do too, because um, I think a lot of people, you know, this is an interesting thing. I mean, there should be some kid that's going to come across like I got to write a paper on the history of what, and the next thing you know, they come across your podcast. You got a listener there. You got somebody that's going to keep on listening. I mean, it's important what you do. Um, and especially in this time right now, I definitely think it's a time we all need to come together and we need to start kind of helping each other out in any type of way we possibly can. Hell yeah. All right, friends. Uh, I'm Ian. We're at the bar of questionable life choices today. We've been talking to Robbie from out of the Blake podcast. You can find him on any and every podcasting platform. There is, you can find him on Instagram at, uh, out of the blank. Uh, thank you so much today. We have been sipping on old Forester 1910 uh, I strongly recommend you get it. Add a little bit of water to it. It makes it uh, turn into this candy caramel, just beautiful, uh, beautiful glass of whiskey. So that'll wrap it up for us. Cheers, friends. Have a good day. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And as always, if you have questions, comments, or would like to join me at the Bar of Questionable Life Choices for an episode, please contact me at whiskeyhistory at gmail.com, and we can start that conversation. Thank you. Once upon a time there was a railroad line. Don't ask where, brother, don't ask where. It was the road to hell. It was hard time. It was a world of God.